You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. My name is Rick Ritchie, and today we are going to talk about beyond the first session. So last week, we talked about what my first session looks like. And again, my first session, your first session may not be exactly the same, but I at least shared with you what works for me and what I do. If you find that beneficial, fantastic. If you watch and listen to that and you were like, nothing about that is what I would do, then don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. But I did want to share kind of how I take people through the first session and what my setup is and how I work with people. And then even at the end, because this is a business, requesting referrals from people, asking if they know others that would be interested in personal training and uh, to connect me with those people. So with that being said, we kind of gone through the first session and then my producer, Eric, was like, hey, I got a good idea. You've talked us through the first session. Why don't the next time we do the podcast, why don't you say, well, what's after that? What's after the first session? And I was like, that's a pretty good idea. So the second session, maybe and beyond, this is what makes uh, what makes NASM actually really, really helpful and really supportive is NASM developed systems and it was the, really the first training system that was put into place. Now, there'd been research about periodization and things like that, but to have a company that systematically put into play, here's a step-by-step that you can follow that gives you an example of what to do, when to to do it, how to progress your clients, what's a timeline that you can progress your clients, what is the rep range, what is the sep range, what is the tempo, how do I work with people, what are the exercises that I can do? Well, NASM makes that pretty easy, and you know, here I am, Uh, 20 years after getting my first NASM certification, and I still follow the NASM OPT model and their components of the workout, which is interesting, right? Because this is a base level certification, and I have more education, far more education than I had 20 years ago in the industry, and I'm still following pretty close to the same model. Why? Well, it's a good model. It's a system to follow and it works. So let's go through our our second session. The second set, at the end of the first session, they now have a list of their correctives or their movement prep, what they're supposed to do before they see me on day one, things that they can practice while they are not seeing me so that they can progress. And they can move better, feel better, everything now based off of that initial uh, series of assessments that we gave. So now they're foam rolling, they're stretching, they're doing activations, a few integrated exercises, they're falling. That's the corrective exercise continuum, those four things. Inhibit, lengthen, activate, integrate. For the purposes of corrective exercise, well, yes, sort of, but for the purposes of movement prep, getting their body specifically to them prepared to do exercises that I've planned for them to do. So let's talk about the components of the workout, because for me, this is nice that if I have somebody I'm going to train, I kind of know what's going to be addressed in that workout. So what's going to be addressed in the workout? 
components of the workout. First of all, there's the warm up, and the warm up consists of these things. Are you ready? The warm up consists of core, balance, and reactive or plyometrics. So I might do core work. I do some balance work. I might do some plyos. I might not. Some of you are like, what? You would do plyos with everybody? No, I don't do plyos with everybody, but that's in the system. Speed, agility, quickness, SAQ training is in that warm-up training as well. Getting the nervous system ready to go, getting the heart rate up, in this coordination, neuromuscular coordination with our balance, our plyos, and then doing some reactive directional stuff, speed, agility, and quickness. For everybody? Nope. No, not for everybody. Core balance? Yeah, for every, I do core and balance with every one of my clients. Now, core, sometimes that might be like hip work core. That might be abdominal core work. That might be uh, upper extremity, like my shoulder girdle core work. But that's a core work, right? Where the, the arms attach, where the hips attach, and everything in between, that's my, that's my core work, prepping that. And then we get to the workout. What can we also do in the warm-up? We can add cardio in, or you can add cardio in as part of the workout, but cardio is a component of a workout. So, so far we've got core, balance, plyometrics or reactive training, speed, agility, quickness, so SAQ we'll put into one, cardio respiratory training, and then our last one is gonna be resistance training. Core, balance, plyos, SAQ, cardio, resistance. This is my my six components of the workout, and then you can couple those components into different things, like your core balance, reactive plyos, and even your cardio can all be part of the warm-up before you even get to the resistance training. That's good, that's a good warm-up. You're warm. In fact, after you do core balance and plyos, many people think that's the workout. We're working out. I'm like, no, that's just the warm-up. And they're like, what the what? That's the warm-up? That's the warm-up. Now what are we gonna do? Well, now we're gonna work out. Wait, what? Let's work out, let's get some resistance training in. Let's get some cardio in. And I like to do cardio with my clients for their workout. And I know that I used to get this all the time early on. I didn't work with a trainer so they can put me on a treadmill. And I don't know trainers that, that really just put people on a treadmill and say, hey, go for a 30 minute run as I watch. You're not doing your moderate intensity uh, continuous training cardio while working with a personal trainer. I put you on a treadmill. I'm pretty much going to bust you pretty hard on that. So we're going for how many Mets can you get in? What's your speed? What are the intervals we're putting together? This is not moderate intensity, continuous training. That is your homework to help build your base, build your base, build your mitochondrial density, build your aerobic respiration in the presence of oxygen, longer, slower duration, get out there and go. When you're with me, that's not in, that's not how we're going to train. I'm going to put you on a ski erg and I'm going to see how many you can, uh, like what's your all out max that you can go right now. Or I might put you on for three minutes, three minutes. So probably, probably the longest I'll go with clients, but I put people in for three minutes and it might be like, this is our anchor exercise of the day. So sometimes I give my clients an anchor exercise of the day. What is an anchor exercise? An anchor exercise is at the end of each circuit of exercises, we're going to do this exercise. 
What does that mean? That might mean that now you're going to go on the airdyne and you're going to bang out that airdyne bike, like moving the arms and the legs for three minutes straight. We might do intervals for that three minutes. Let's bust out 30 seconds hard and then relax easy breezy for 30 seconds. It might be 1545, not pushing that hard. But also when you're not pushing that hard, you still have a certain amount of Mets that you're supposed to hit. Or at the end of each minute, you still have a certain amount of calories I want you to knock out. What are those Mets? What are those calories? Look, you. this is a working out that you're going to have to start practicing to see how you can challenge your clients. That's like saying, what weights do you lift when you resistance train? It depends. It depends. But in between that, I've got core balance, plyometric, speed agility, and quickness, cardio, all as part of their workout, maybe even as part of their warm-up before we get to the resistance training. Now, how do we do the resistance training? My preference early on, especially, I get people, it's a total body workout because we're going to be in the stabilization phase, right? If I start training somebody, almost everybody starts in stabilization endurance. What does that mean? That means the repetitions are high. The set range may not be that high, but your tempo, how fast you do each repetition is going to be quite slow. And it's very demanding neuromuscularly on your system. There's a lot of negative in this workout, and I don't mean bad stuff. I'm talking about the eccentric phase of the motor uh, of, of the muscle action spectrum. We're doing longer, slower negatives, longer eccentric loads, pausing, lifting, three seconds on the eccentric, isometric maybe for two seconds, concentric for one quick lift or one slow lift. And we repeat that, how many, I don't know, 12 to 20 repetitions. You do the numbers on that, that's a six second repetition. If you do three down, two at the bottom, pause for two, lift for one, that's six seconds. 10 repetitions into it is a minute and we're not done with our minimal range that I'm trying to get you to. I'm trying to get at least get 12 reps. Usually I drive people when we first train getting 15 reps. And then sometimes, we do resistance as cardio. That metabolic conditioning might take a medicine ball and just have them touch it to the ground, lift it all the way up. Touch it to the ground, lift it all the way up. How many reps? I'm not doing it for reps. You got 60 seconds. Go. What is that? That's their cardio. It just includes something that's weighted. I'm not counting repetitions on that. It's about the same amount of resistance as on a ski erg or a rower or an airdyne or whatever else is out there, a stair climber. There's resistance in cardio, treadmill, going up a hill. Oh, man. You added resistance. So is this resistance training? I mean, it kind of. It's kind of resistance, kind of cardio. We think about cardio sometimes. It's all aerobic activity. That's the kind of what cardio has been linked to. When we say cardio, we think and we connect it with aerobic activity. And you can do anaerobic cardiorespiratory training, metabolic conditioning, and it's weird too because metabolic conditioning is considered to be higher intensity activities, which is good, except aerobic conditioning is also metabolic. So 
we we're taking words and we're creating meaning around them. Kind of like functional training. Functional training has a lot of meetings, but it doesn't really mean stand on a wobble board and shake a blade, body blade, while doing, you know, uh, ropes in one hand, wearing an eye patch on the other, all weird stuff that people used to do. Thank goodness we've moved away from that. Or have we? So cardio, re resistance training, putting them together making that cardio be your resistance making the resistance be your cardio it is a great way to increase your metabolic conditioning caloric expenditure but one of the other things too is as you do those slow repetitions for long amounts of time with minimal amounts of rest in between that is also highly metabolically taxing what's that mean that means that's real good for you if you're trying to burn some calories good that's good what about people that want to get stronger? So this is right now is about stabilization and endurance, building a base. We got to put a base for people. That's why stabilization endurance is the base of the NASM OPT model. And I don't know if you've noticed this, but the OPT model, the names of the phases are the names of the outcomes you want to get because people don't care what they do. They mostly care about the outcomes they're going to get. So what are the outcomes? Well, stabilization, endurance. The next level is strength, endurance. The next level is hypertrophy or muscular development. The next level is uh, max strength. The next level is power and max power. We're not limited to that. There's endurance power. There are all different types of things that we can fit in here. But as we direct the model, we have a system to follow. Why? So it makes it easier for us to wrap our hands around how we can develop a client in a progressive system as opposed to what? Making it up when we get there. And you can make it up when you get there. That's fine. It's easy to make it up when you get there. When you know you have a system where you're going to do your core, balance, plyos, SAQ, cardio, resistance training, it's not made up. It's what you would have done if you sat down to think about it. Why? Because I know there are all these components of a workout and they all fit in the stabilization endurance level that I've got my client in or I've progressed them now to a strength endurance level. What am I going to do now? I'm going to do core for strength. I'm going to do balance for strength. I'm going to do plyos for strength. I'm going to do SAQ for strength. I'm going to do cardio for strength. I'm going to do resistance training for strength. Hey, cardio for strength. What does that mean? Uh, it... In cardio for strength, we have different levels of the OPT model, but the cardio doesn't necessarily fit into the resistance training model. So we're trying to get their um, familiar threshold, VT1, VT2. How are we progressing our clients? But I'm taking you VT2 in majority of the time that you're going to be working out with me as we intersperse cardio into the resistance training. But that second workout... You've already done the warm up. I gave that to you in the first workout. So now what? Now we start adding stuff in. Now let's add in maybe a few more core exercises. Now let's add in maybe a few more foam rolling exercises, a few more stretches, core activations. And now I want to talk to you real quick about just like smart training because the smart training, this is really interesting, right? So when you bring things back around, they make so much sense, right? And it makes you look so smart 
to your clients. So let's just take like my big three that I like to use when I do an assessment. And I addressed this last week. Here's my big three when I go through assessments. I want to know where you feel it, why you feel it, how you feel it. Let's do a bridge. And this is after the overhead and single leg squat assessment. I do bridge, I do planks, and I do floor cobras. And so the bridge will go through the exercise, have you practice the exercise, make sure that you're feeling this where you want to be, where I want you to be feeling it, which is a primarily glute centric exercise that you can still feel in the front of your thighs because you're stretching out your quads. You may still feel in your hamstrings because they help to extend the hip, but primarily you're feeling it in the glutes. I might even have you dorsiflex and invert your foot while crunching your toes to get some tibialis uh, anterior activation there for any lower extremity dysfunction that we may have. I'm doing a good, this is a great exercise. And then I'm telling you not to roll your spine can. It's just not what I want you to do. Why? Because when we get over to start doing those squats, and I say the reason we don't roll our spine in our um, bridges is because we don't roll our spine in our squats. And this is a moving bridge that you just did. We are now loading you up and we are doing the same mechanical. The vectors of force are different, yes. But mechanically, what's going on at the hip and how they're going in extension, that's the same that we're doing that to prep for this. Why do we do the floor cobras? Well, the floor cobras, great exercise. As I'm now working with people on doing their rows, all I have to do to cue them is say, hey, remember the cobras we did where your shoulders were back and down, you squeeze your shoulder blades back, no spinning in the socket, no anterior tipping of the scapula. The way that that felt, felt, go in that position, now bend your arms. When you bend your arms, you're in a row position. The reason we did the Cobra is to prepare you for doing the rows the way that we need to get them done. And your clients will be like, what? You mean you thought this out? You considered the workout in the warm-up? Yeah, it's so good. You look so smart. And it is smart. And that's why we do what we do in the warm-up process. That's why when I work with somebody, when he does bridges initially, he'd get cramps and charley horses in his hamstrings. So what do we do? We foam roll. We stretch his hamstrings. We do activations for his glutes. And then we do the bridges. And we minimize him getting his hamstring hypertonicity jumping in there and going into a charley horse. So why did we do that? We did that for this. Oh, it's so smart. Just creating some smarter workouts for our clients. And I developed that right there in that second one. When I'm working out with people, now we're getting more into a workout and I can relate what we do in the warm-up to the workout that lets them know, oh, we've been preparing for this. We've been preparing for the rows. You've been laying the groundwork for the rows by doing those floor cobras this whole time. So good. So good, daniel son. So while you're over there waxing on, waxing off, painting the fence, all of that stuff, and you don't realize that all the work around Mr. Miyagi's house is really training you how to fight. All your prep work is really training you on how to make those applications to your real life workouts when we get to them. And that 
is valuable. That is smart. And that's the takeaway your clients are going to have when they work with you and they go, oh, you need to work with my trainer because there are people all the time that have bad experiences with personal trainers. And you can woo your clients, not with the coolest, prettiest, most outlandish looking things, but simply preparing them better for their workouts and then building a base for them to draw on. And just like in education, it's scaffolding. You start here and you add a little bit more. And then you add a little bit more. And then before you add a little bit more, you tell them why this was here, why this is here, and then you add more and you keep relating it back to their goals. What do they wanna get out of it? What are their goals? What are their needs? What are their wants? What are their concerns? And you address them and you do it systematically. All right, anyway, I hope you found this helpful, interesting, supportive. If you did, please make sure you subscribe, like, and rate. Also share with people. Pass this along to other personal trainers. Actually, my older brother, not a personal trainer, never listened to my podcast because he thought it was just for personal trainers. And then he started listening to it the other day and he was like, there's so much stuff I can get out of doing this. I thought it was just for trainers. And I'm like, no, it's for trainers and trainer adjacent. So if, if you are kind of like next to a trainer, kind of beside a trainer, or you want to have a conversation with the trainer, send them this podcast. Let them know about it. Reach out to me if you have any questions. Instagram at dr.rickritchie, or you can email me, rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Thank you so much. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.